right. <laughs> okay. Let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> Good to be back in person. That's right. Welcome back to Real Ballers Read with Jana Miles. How you feeling, bro? I'm feeling great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we're just coming off of two crazy trips. I guess so. You were in Ghana. I was in D.C. How was your time there, man? My time in Ghana was incredible. I think I had a really big idea of you know what going back to Africa would feel like yeah. as an African-American person. And you arrive and... You know, no one is celebrating you coming back. You know, there was no <laughs> golden carpet or um, big party. It was normal, right? But that's what life is there. You know, but that was what was going on in my head. Yeah. And that week there felt like months because it was just a new place. And just so, though, for the experience, I had a great host. It was a friend of a friend, and we stayed in his house mm-hmm. with his family for for that week and went all over Ghana and saw different gardens, went to the slave castle. And yeah, I think I'm still processing it now and just realizing though, how big of a place Africa is, how big of a place Ghana is, how many cultures are in just Ghana and all the places that I want to travel to in Africa in general. So Mm -hmm. it's just such a massive continent. It really cannot be, underestimated overestimated how big it is oh for sure yeah 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 i mean you were saying last night how ridiculous it is that we just casually say like africa as if it's one place like we it'd be weird to say oh yeah i'm going to asia or i'm going to (laughs) europe i mean i guess people do say that but africa is definitely lopped into a single place Mm -hmm. uh when it's really not would you say that there was like a standout experience that you had um during your time there yeah, the standout experience that I would say was definitely the slave castle. I wow. think that is kind of, you know, in my mind, what the site that I was looking forward to seeing most. And both being in the physical place, having the tour, and all the, the stories that she was telling us were just so mind blowing. I wasn't even as emotional as I thought I would be. Uh, Because it was just kind of surreal that you were in that actual place where, you know, your ancestors once were, possibly once were, if not in another castle. But just beyond tragic and really puts the world and your life in perspective in a way that I haven't had, Mm. you know, so crazy. Yeah, for sure. Wow. That's incredible, man. Oh, no, I'm really excited that you're back and continuing to learn and process from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned as well that you're reading Homegoing. So have you yeah. started that already or are you like Yeah, just I'm, a, I'm a couple ch- chapters in. It's All a right. mind-blowing book. I'm really excited to see where it goes. It seems like the characters are changing every chapter. And yep. It's a totally new. Wait, you have read it? Yeah, I have read oh, it. Oh, yeah. okay, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> So I'm like, man, I'm curious to see where the cohesiveness of the novel comes from. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that story will keep unraveling through the fam- family and everything. But 
Yeah, I actually bought that novel at the Cape Coast Castle. I didn't oh, even know it yeah, was see, about the castle. Really? Yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah, I was so, about to ask what inspired you to like even right, pick it up. Right. Um, our mom has been telling about it, about the book, telling us about the book for years now, and yep. been meaning to read it. And I think I had started reading it a couple of years ago, but having been to the castle now, having been to Ghana now, reading it again, it felt different and it felt like i really could understand the the setting and the things that they were talking about in a new way and appreciate just how good of a writer um ya giazi is yeah uh so excited to talk more about that later when i finish it yeah for mm -hmm. sure i mean one one more uh question as well would you say there was anything about being in ghana that was that had eerie resemblance to your experience as a black person in the U.S. Or would you say that it was more like differences? Yeah, I wouldn't say there was an eerie resemblance to anything in America. It is a very different place. I would say it was more similar to other places that I've traveled to just in that in most other countries that aren't, America, they are pretty homogenous. Yeah. And so whether I was in China or whether I was in Europe, it's all kind of one type of person. Mm -hmm. And it's the same in Africa, too. And they can tell who an outsider is, like, right away. Even though I am black, like, they all knew we were black, yeah. um, American, given right. our group. Right. So, yeah, still getting a lot of eyes. But... So that felt some similar to places places like China or England, but mm -hmm. not the same vibe. Obviously, just because we are still African looking. So right, yeah, I see. All right, cool. Yeah, no, that's I was really interesting. The trip in DC though. Nah, DC was crazy. I mean, it's always it's always a a beautiful, blessed time getting to catch up with all my you know friends in DC. Um, this time was particularly special, just off of this opportunity uh called fairy tales with the kennedy center we'll be um doing some plays about the potomac river in april which i'm really excited about this is my first real experience behind the scenes on a theater project mm. and i'm loving it honestly it's really fun i think it, it brings together all the best parts of poetry and you know just generally learning about nature and science and people's relationships with their environments um in a way that can be fun and you know, in real bite-sized kind of uh, experiences with actors and whatnot. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited about that. Uh, DC was also incredibly special because we had our first, like, gathering at the watering hole there, which was like a, mm -hmm. a book celebration that my friends helped me put together. And that was a great experience because there are so many people who I've, I've been really tight with for years um, or even tight with for only a couple of months but having all of them be able to be in the same space together and us all really pour attention into the Potomac River, into all the stories that we have related to water was just an incredible experience. Um, I did read some poetry, but then I also used some of the, the, the questions, the reflection questions in the book to use them as like discussion prompts. So there was a, there was a good amount of time where people could share their own stories with water. And the things that people were saying were just incredible. I mean, there's, there's books and books and books of poetry and memoir and essays just off of 
all the stories that people individually have. So it was great to like bring that out in the event. That's um, incredible. Wait, yeah. so you said it was at the watering hole. Oh, gathering at the watering hole was the name of oh, the event. But yeah. your book is named Watering yeah, Hole. Yeah, exactly. So it okay, was like so, yeah, it yeah. was like gathering at the book, mm -hmm. which, you know, I like see. sounds like a place, the yeah, watering yeah. hole, you know? Yeah. Uh, but no, it was it was actually just in Georgetown. I see. Um, at a real nice uh, spot that used to be uh, an old school. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I loved my time in D.C. I'm certainly really excited to be back, uh, you know, not the least of which just for being able to record more episodes with you in person, mm -hmm. right? And definitely just get back into the groove with everything that we have mm -hmm. going on in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So you've had the book out, though, wrote it, sold it. You had a book event. Yeah, Do you that's think right. You are an author now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I claim yeah. I claim author. I claim poet mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I claim writer. I think it's it's yeah. It's hard not to like when, yeah, especially yeah. once you see the book and you have it tangible in your hands. Right. That in and of itself is one thing, but I just feel so blessed for all the support um, that I've been able to get with people. You know, buying copies and sending me photos, putting their favorite poems like on IG, sending them to me. Um, of course, having the event and bringing together a lot of people that I already knew, but then there were a lot of people that I'd never met before there either. Mm -hmm. um, so just seeing how our writing can be a real invitation for these larger like community gatherings and organizing and activism and just celebration and you know, uh, generally mm -hmm. building relationships with new people was a real mm -hmm. special thing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I definitely have had you know that identity that that salt that subtle shift in the identity but i think it is it is a really big deal just because like once you have the identity and it's backed up by things that you're doing like it just makes me want to write even more yep yeah yep. so going into the book that we're going to talk a little bit about for the for the day how would you introduce it when was the first time you heard of our Dear character, frontier, oh, simple. So, you know, I, I think we can't start with simple only because we have a much longer story in Langston Hughes. Um, I would say it was actually during my time in D.C. that I remembered that that selected works of Langston Hughes, selected poetry of Langston Hughes, as well as Shel Silverstein books, mm. as well as the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Like, there was so much poetry that was in our lives from an early age, which I really appreciate. And I think Langston Hughes was, was the person where there was, a, there was a strange, like, feeling that I had of being, uh, of almost that eerie resemblance that I was, that I was just asking you about, but uh, from Langston Hughes' own experience 100 years ago, right, uh, coming up at a supposedly completely different time in the U.S. and still feeling connected to the, the, the topics that he was writing about, connected to his rhythm. I love the way that he, that he rhymes and writes his poetry. And that was something, even if I wasn't always aware of it, that I think brought me back to poetry and brought me back to Langston Hughes in particular, um, I think part of the surprise was simple. Uh, and this is for people who don't know, Langston Hughes uh, created this character, Jess B. Semple, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. who was a, an amalgam of it was directly inspired by a particular veteran that he encountered uh, during World War II, and then it turned into an amalgam of all of these people that he was interacting with mm-hmm. and hearing conversations from during his time in Harlem, mm-hmm. and what what's what was particularly first inspiring or uh, surprising about simple was that our uncle Chris, uh, when talking about our podcast and what book he would potentially bring on to talk about, it was, uh, Langston Hughes's simple stories of simple. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard of simple at that point. I didn't know that Langston Hughes wrote anything other than poetry actually. Um, but now having the, the best of simple, which is the book that you're holding now having the Langston Hughes reader, which I've been working through, it's just incredible to see how prolific Langston Hughes was across all these different forms of writing. Um, and simple in particular is special because the stories are hilarious. They are short and sweet, but also like very interesting. Some of them right. can be light. Some of them can be really deep. Um, but I just love how dynamic they are and feeling like a, you're really listening in on a conversation with Langston Hughes and a real person over a glass of beer, you know? Right. Yeah. And so he basically wrote these over the course of years. Yeah. These stories, he published them in journals and newspapers, and now they have been com- compiled into books and to this, you know, best of collection. Yep. And, yeah, it kind of has the feeling of a comic strip in terms of the humor. Exactly. And, in terms of the recurring themes and the way that they talk. But through that repetition, through those patterns, just like any comic, there's a depth that you get from just having the format be so simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just be simple, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I think, Um, no, there's something really there, though, because it's one thing to read an individual's work, but there's, there's almost even more accessibility when you're listening to two people's conversation, yep. you know, and, and the way that Langston is like, he, he, he is writing from both sides, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but as we'll get into with, uh, with the forward to the best of simple book, who is simple, like so much of what he's writing is actually just what he's hearing, you know? And, Oh, you, I mean, do you want me to write it? Read it. You want to read it? Sure. Yeah, you can go ahead and yeah. read it. But um but yeah, I think I think seeing how Langston Hughes can put himself in conversation with all of these people that he's in conversation with gen- generally day to day, um but then putting them into these one-on-one conversations with a single person in simple, uh it just makes it really fun to be a part of like that conversation, you know. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So here I will read Langston Hughes explanation of who simple is this is from august 1961 he's writing from new york city probably in harlem who is simple i cannot truthfully state as some novelists do at the beginning of their books that these stories are about nobody living or dead the facts are that these tales are about a great many people although they are stories about no specific persons as such But it is impossible to live in Harlem and not know at least 100 Simples, 50 Joyces, 25 Zaritas, and a number of Boyds, and several Cousin Minis, or reasonable families thereof. 
Is it facsimiles or fashion? Fa- facsimiles. Facsimiles. Yeah, right, right. It's the original word of fax. I see. Yeah. Simple Speaks His Mind had hardly been published when I walked into a Harlem cafe one night and the proprietor said, listen, I don't know where you got that character, Jesse B. Simple, but I want you to meet one of my customers who is just like him. He called to a fellow at the end of the bar. Watch how he walks, he said, (laughs) exactly like so simple. And I'll bet he won't be talking to you two minutes before he'll tell you how long he's been standing on his feet and how much his bunions hurt, just like your book begins. The barman was right. Even as the customer approached, he cried, man, my feet hurt. If you want to see me, why don't you come over here where I am? I stand on my feet all day. And I stand on mine all night, said the barman. Without me saying a word, a conversation began so much like the opening chapter in my book that even I was a bit amazed to see how nearly life can be like fiction or vice versa. Simple as a character originated during the war. His first words came directly out of the mouth of a young man who lived just down the block from me. One night I ran into him in a neighborhood bar and he said, come on back to the booth and meet my girlfriend. I did and he treated me to a beer. Not knowing much about the young man, I asked where he worked. He said, in a war plant. I said, what do you make? He said, cranks. I said, what kind of cranks? He said, (laughs) oh man, I don't know what, what kind of cranks. I said, well, do they crank cars, tanks, buses, planes, or what? (laughs) He said, I don't know what them cranks crank. Whereupon his girlfriend, a little bit put out at his ignorance of his job, said, you've been working there long enough. Looks like by now you ought to know what them cranks crank. (laughs) Oh, woman, he said, you know why white folks don't tell colored folks what cranks crank? That was the beginning of Simple. I have long since lost track of the fellow who uttered those words, but out of the mystery as to what the cranks of this world crank, to whom they belong and why, there evolved the character in this book. Wondering and laughing at the numerous problems of white folks, colored folks, and just folks, including himself. He talks about the wife he used to have, the woman he loves today, and his one-time playgirl, Zorita. Usually over a glass of beer, he tells me his tales, mostly in high humor, but sometimes with a pain in his soul, as sharp as the occasional hurt of that bunion in his right foot. Sometimes, as the old blue says, Simple might be laughing to keep from crying. But even then, he keeps you laughing too. If there were not a lot of genial souls in Harlem as talkative as Simple, I would never have these tales to write down that are just like him. He is my ace boy. Simple. I hope you like him too. Langston Hughes. Mm. Wow. Thanks for reading that, bro. I mean, yeah. man, there's so many, there's so many jumping off points. I mean, there's the whole point about like life reflecting fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the whole very much like art imitates life. Life imitates art piece. I think, um, I also was thinking about native son and mm-hmm. just the contrast of, Richard Wright's like writing of a of a black man versus Langston Hughes. Yeah. Um I'm definitely thinking about all of the people who love to talk and tell stories that we know, right? Mm-hmm. Just in our own lives. I, I think it's incredible that simple in a way can 
honor all of those like people in our lives who are just hilarious, right? And laugh to keep from crying, mm-hmm. make us laugh. Um, mm-hmm. just just by being who they are, right? And they mm-hmm. they don't have to be famous, they don't gotta be super rich or anything. Mm-hmm. They're just people, right? And mm-hmm. simple people, right? And that's kinda that's kinda the idea. But I mean, where what was it what was it like you reading through that just now? Man, um it's it's so beautiful to see how someone can create a character that just feels real, that, that doesn't feel like fiction. And I think that's why Simple speaks to so, so many that spoke to back in the day. I think when I was reading this book, though, I really thought about what it meant to capture like a moment in time with just dialogue mm. and what it would be like for the 21st century because it's not that we don't sit at bars and talk but there's something about how <laughs> Leston Hughes uses simple and or just speaks through him where I can tell it's of a certain era and it's of a certain time where even in the way we talk about race now, it almost sounds less humorous than it did then, even though I would argue and say it was it worse. It was worse back then. Yeah, yeah. but there's <laughs> some sense of levity and still um, trying to stay light in spirit that even now mm. we don't have that, that, that joy. It's more black and, and white. It's more argumentative. Mm. And... Yeah, yeah, but really interested and fascinated in this book and to keep reading these uh, stories and, you know, to have Uncle Chris on the podcast, have the expert's take on right. Simple and right. how he's dealt with him over the years, but it's great to get just our first thoughts down. Yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I mean, I see exactly what you're saying about just the the nature of our conversations now as opposed to back then mm-hmm. or at least as they're represented through simple but also what do you think of even like meme culture right and just how how the internet is like incredible for yeah. how for how quickly it can it can flame somebody make you laugh at right. some sort of situation you know i'm thinking about uh the slap heard around the world right when <laughs> When Will somebody, Smith. well, no, when somebody yeah. used Oscar from Shark Tale <laughs> to like to show Will Smith going up there and slapping, yeah. slapping Marty the zebra across the face, you know, right. like, like, what is that? How do you see that fitting into things as well? That's a great point. And the internet is kind of this sim- simple bar conversation, just over a much larger, larger scale, I would say meme culture and internet culture is hilarious. It's just that you're never talking to one person yeah. at a time. So and you also don't know you don't you also don't know who they're coming from either. Right. Like, you know, like a lot of right. memes a lot of memes like they're just they just emerge. You know, like there's no there's no sense of like, oh, mm-hmm. this is all coming from a specific person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what are some of your initial thoughts reading uh the simple stories though? Oh man. Well I would say that you you got to them before I did, 
And so you even mentioning how they reminded you of the boondocks mm-hmm. definitely shaped a lot of the way that I went into them. Because, I mean, when how long have like comic strips been around? I mean, I'm sure just off of some of the illustrations that I've right. seen related to Simple that they could have... It was around these, this era. These could have easily been yeah. like comic strips, even in their time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is cool to see how Simple is a seed for so much that like comes afterwards when it just comes to like how even fast forward, you know, uh, decades, you got Boondocks as a comic strip and then turning into a TV show, mm-hmm. which for all of its impact in our lives and our own sense of humor, like makes simple still feel like even more exciting because I recognize it. Right. I recognize yeah. like, I recognize the, the 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 tone of voice and the language and as well even some of the absurdity of the topics, you know, yeah. where and the risk taking of like yeah, we are gonna definitely. talk about this topic in a way that still makes you laugh but will make will make you think. <laughs> and cringe a yeah, little bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. so wow, there is a just a really good through through line there for Yeah. The, Simple to the boom yeah. and docks and, and other pieces of art. And, you know, too, something something that I've been thinking a lot about as well because it's definitely in the in the bookstagram waters. It's for sure a lot of how I've been feeling recently as well, which is that I'm very much interested, and I've heard other people say this as well, in shorter works. Yeah. Um, and I think even poetry for me was so important to get into writing because it was shorter and it was a little more manageable. And on the other side, whether it's reading poetry or focusing on music, right, which is always relatively short compared, like, you know, you can listen to a 45-minute album Mm -hmm. that can be way, way, way deeper than reading a book for six, right? And I think that there's just so, there's something that I'm definitely interested in around, like, length of time and Mm. brevity for just how precise and how like concentrated and like pointed you know your writing can be to really make someone feel something um but you know that also makes me think about tiktok right and just our general shortening of attention span right where for a while i saw my practice of reading as being able to sit for long stretches of time just purely focused on the book mm-hmm. and I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't have that anymore, right? Like, it's, like that, that was great for the pandemic and being in quarantine when less was happening. But now I'm really excited, even for uh, these, excuse me, stories of simple because they're only like a page or mm-hmm. like a paragraph or a few paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is, it is kind of interesting to see too how even what we think of as like a relatively recent phenomena of shorter and shorter pieces through like TikToks and Instagram posts, like, you know, Langston Hughes was, was writing short stories and, you know, these, these, uh, conversations with simple are like literally scene by scene. They're not necessarily tied together at all. They're just little, little thoughts. Right. Um, I think there's something to be said about one, the repetition of the story, but also that, there's no plot to each story, right? So yeah. you're not trying to figure it out. I'm thinking of books that I've stopped or movies that I've stopped. Mm-hmm. It was because 
40 minutes into the movie or 200 pages into the book, nothing happened. They're just giving setting for 20 minutes or 20 pages. And I'm like, this is pointless. I'm not figuring it out. But with the story and with the TikTok too, you know that there's no plot. It's just like that self-contained thing that's really entertaining. I feel like dialogue too, when done well, as it's done perfectly in this collection is just so exciting. And because there's no plot, like there's some something new happening at every single line yeah. where it adds a new twist or just a funny joke or some people can get serious too. And then you're like, oh damn, like what is on his, his mind, you know? Mm-hmm. But you kind of grow that empathy and that, um, understanding of him just through what he's saying, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. but do you want to read one of the stories just so they can get a sense of what oh, yeah, one, of, sure. one of them's like, and then we can kind of go from there? All right, bet. Well, uh, you want to do temptation? Yeah. All right, great. When the Lord said, Let there be light, and there was light, what I want to know is where was us colored people? What do you mean, where were we colored people, I said? We must not have been there, said Simple, because we are still dark. Either he did not include me, or else I were not there. The Lord was not referring to people when he said, let there be light. He was referring to the elements, the atmosphere, the air. He must have included some people, said Simple, because white people are light, in fact, white, Whilst I am dark, how come? I say, we were not there. Then where do you think we were? Late, as usual, said Simple. Old CP time. We must have been down the road a piece and did not get back on time. There was no CP time in those days, I said. In fact, no people were created, so there couldn't be any colored people's time. The Lord God had not yet breathed the breath of life into anyone. No, said Simple. No, said I, because it wasn't until Genesis 2 and 7 that God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. His name was Adam. Then he took one of Adam's ribs and made a woman. Then trouble began, said Simple. Thank God they was both white. How do you know Adam and Eve were white? I asked. When I was a kid, I'd seen them on Sunday school cards, said Simple. Ever since I've been seeing a Sunday school school card, they was white. That is why I want to know where us Negroes when the Lord said, let there be light. Oh, man, you have a color complex so bad you want to trace it back to the Bible. No, I don't. I just want to know how come Adam and Eve was white. If they had started out black, this world might not be in the fix it is today. Eve might not have paid that serpent no attention. I never did know a Negro yet that liked a snake. That snake is a symbol, a symbol of temptation and sin. And that symbol would be the same no matter what the race. I'm not talking about no symbol. I'm talking about the day when Eve took that apple and Adam ate. From then on, the human race has been in trouble. There ain't a colored woman living uh, what would take no apple from a snake. And she better not give no snake apples to her husband. Adam and Eve are symbols too. You are simple yourself, but I just wish we colored folks had been somewhere around at the start. I do not know where we was when Eden was a garden, 
but we sure didn't get in on none of the crops. If we had, we would not be so poor today. White folks started out ahead, and they are still ahead. Look at me. I'm looking. Made in the image of God, but I never did see anybody like me on a Sunday school card. Probably nobody looked like you in biblical days. The American Negro did not exist in B.C. You're a product of Caucasia and Africa, Harlem and Dixie. You've been conditioned entirely by our environment, our modern times. Times have been hard, but still I am a child of God. In the cosmic sense, yes, we are all children of God. I've been baptized, also anointed with oil. When I were a child, I come through at the mourner's bench. I was converted. I've listened to Daddy Grace and ate with Father Divine, moaned with Elder Lawson, and prayed with Adam Powell. Also, I've been to the Episcopalians with Joyce. But if a snake were to come up to me and offer me an apple, I would say, Varmint, be on your way. No fruit today. But you got the wrong stud now. So get along somehow. Be off down the road because you're lower than a toad. Then that serpent will respect me as a wise man. And this world would not be where it is, all on account of an apple. That apple has turned into an atom now. To hear you talk, if you had been in the Garden of Eden, the world would still be in paradise. Man would not have fallen into sin. Not this man. I would have stayed in that garden making great wine, singing like Crosby, and feeling fine. I would not be scuffling out in the rough world, neither would I be in Harlem. If I was Adam, I would just stay in Eden in that garden with no rent to pay, no landladies to dodge, no time clock to punch, and my picture on a Sunday school card. I'd be a real gone guy, even if I didn't have but one name, Adam, and no initials. You would be real gone, all right, but you were not there. So, my dear fellow, I trust you will not let your rather late arrival on our contemporary stage distort your perspective. No. <laughs> Yo, that was fun. It's even it fun really reading fun. it. Yeah, you know? a little um, little play there. Yeah, exactly. You know what I didn't notice until reading it out loud is the rhyming, as well. And yeah, it's actually in this Langston Hughes readers where he has uh, a series of poetry that's specifically for children, and he was talking about a conversation that he was having with some school kids where. He was saying like, hey, do you know why like rhyming is so important? And when they asked him why, he said that it was because when things rhyme, they seem to make more sense. And it's easier to remember things that make more sense. Um, but I, had, I hadn't even noticed, you know, there were some parts in even that story, Temptation, where just through dialogue and the rhythm of how you want to say it, it like incorporates the rhyme as well. I did not notice that. At you all. didn't notice the rhyming? Oh, yeah. Now, when I was reading, I got to yeah. pick that up. Again, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, you know, it was mostly coming from simple, which I think is part of it as well, right? It's mm -hmm. like, even though even though he sounds like ridiculous, he's also rhyming in a way mm -hmm. that like makes him more charismatic, makes him more uh, believable, mm -hmm. right? Um, whereas Langston Hughes, who you were speaking as, is more just kind of like straight, like no, yeah, like, exactly, you're ridiculous, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. So I think I think that like maybe he was even playing with that intentionally. Right. And it's funny because, like, the person who seems ridiculous is also the person, at least from the stories that I've read, that seems like really trying to pursue truth and wise, like, his own way because he's always, like, testing and trying to figure it out. 
Yeah, know, exactly. Even though he can seem funny or, you know, just or like when he's saying it, it's always making you think more than Hughes' character is or whoever the narrator is mm-hmm. or the eye is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, it kind of gets back to how you started with the who is simple, um, just around him describing that wonder that uh, that simple brings to to color folks, to white folks, to mm-hmm. himself, right? That that wonder is like I think part of that, right? Because even mm-hmm. in the case of Adam and Eve, he's like, oh, I wonder. Like what I would have done if I was in that situation, <laughs> and that's how the that's like where a lot of the humor comes through, right? Yeah, right. Well, I'm so excited to keep reading Simple during this Black History Month and yep. talking with our resident expert, Uncle Chris, about this later. That's right. Soon. So, um, do you have any parting thoughts, though? Nah, I mean, for all our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in with us today. Happy Black History Month. We're really excited to introduce uh, Simple as a new character in just everything that we're learning about black folks and knowing our roots. Um, So this was a really fun conversation, and we hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much, y'all, for listening to this episode of Real Ballers Read. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe to us on the same platforms. We would greatly appreciate it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, Leave a comment, like, and subscribe as well. Thank you so much for being a fan. We appreciate your support so, so much. We will catch you in the next episode.